Welcome to the Positively You podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Larson, and I'm passionate about helping you shift the way you think so you can create a life you're absolutely obsessed with. Each week, I'll be bringing you a guest or a thought that's going to help you feel more optimistic and equipped to take real action. Get ready to push past limiting beliefs, ditch that negativity, and start showing up as the best and most positive version of you. Girl, let's do this. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Positively You podcast. You guys are in for a treat today. I am so excited about my guest. I'm always excited about them, but I have been a fan of Heather for quite a while. So a little bit about her. She is a TEDx speaker, the author of a book called Dying to Be a Good Mother. If that doesn't just grip you and like pull you in and spark your curiosity, I don't know what will. She's also the host of the podcast Emotionally Uncomfortable. You know my love of other podcasts and she has over 6 million downloads. So I cannot wait to dive in and talk to you, Heather Chauvin. Thank you so much for coming on today. I'm so excited, Jesse. And I think we're actually over 7 million now. And I'm just blown away the magic of speaking your truth and how we attract like-minded people and create community. So anyone listening, just keep going. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, I'm sure when you started, you didn't even have that number anywhere in your realm, right? No, I actually recall posting my first podcast and then like vomiting and running. And I don't think I posted the second until eight weeks later. And I tell people all the time when we have this like perfect mindset, which I'm sure is going to go into our whole conversation about what like life should look like or what podcasting should look like in your perfect launch plan. I was like, just start it. You can start it in a weekend. Then you got to grow your capacity to being seen out there in the world and, and using your voice. So yeah, I, I posted one and then like ran away for eight weeks. Wow. I love that so much. Just the impact that just comes from just starting and running away to throw up about it when when you're done. So I want to have a little background dive into who you are um, and kind of your story a little bit. I'm sure you share that everywhere. So as quick as you want to break that down for us. Yeah. So the book is called Dying to Be a Good Mother. And eight years ago, nine years ago, I was actually diagnosed with a stage four cancer. But I like to tell people that that is not my story. Mm -hmm. Um, That was actually not what got me started in personal development and the work that I do today. I had my business before my diagnosis. And so I like to push that aside for a moment because people assume like, well, I don't have a story like that. I don't have a cancer story. And I just want you to know that you don't have to have a big, crazy emotional story like me in order to use your voice in the world. Um, just have desire to make an impact. And I think when we have everyday people speaking up saying like, not this, not this. And so that was actually kind of how my story began. Mm -hmm. I was 18. I was a mother. I became a mother when I was 18. So I actually bypassed the whole, try to figure out who you are in your twenties. And I went from teen to adults, which is incredibly traumatic and, and mothering and motherhood. But my first instinct was, I don't want to become a statistic. Like I am terrified of actually failing as this role as mother. And I just don't want to become a statistic. So that is where the subconscious or that's where like the motivation came in, but it was fear driven. And 
I was just like, push, 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 do all the things. I, I'm a rebel. Um, you know, I'm, I'm like that person, that child, my mother's like, oh yeah, you would always question everything. Um, I see the gift in it now, but I also see, you know, the blessing and the curse. And I put myself through school. I became a social worker all while I was a single parent on government assistance. And, um, I fell in love with meditation and mindfulness because, and this is the funny part, you're going to laugh at me. Um, I wanted to teach my four-year-old how to meditate. And a lot of people come to me and they're like, how do I get my child to calm down? And I was like, you need to calm down. You need to meditate. We're going to do this together. And I'm like, maybe I'm the one who needs to learn emotional regulation. And so I was co-creating with my son and now I have three boys. There's 17, 12 and 10. Um, my oldest, I was co-creating with him and just figuring it, growing up together and figuring it out as we go. And so fast forward, I actually left my social work job and my youngest was about a year old. So I was like breastfeeding and like doing, you know, doing the tricks where you're trying to figure it all out. Um, and I remember leaving my corporate job as a social worker because of my deep, deep, deep desire to make an impact in the world and help children see and understand their behavior. And so I attracted a lot of parents who wanted that conscious parenting approach um, and knew that they needed to grow and work on themselves, but also like support their children, whether they were like neurodiverse or just didn't, they just weren't getting the answers and they really wanted to understand like the emotional behavioral aspects of their children. And so I was teaching them that. And then women kept saying, I don't have time to implement this. Like Heather, my marriage is falling apart. I don't want to do this in my career anymore. And I'm like, okay, but you, you, you know, you hired me for the parenting stuff. Like we got to focus there. So post cancer, that's all I'll say about cancer is post cancer. That was my, I am done suffering. Check the box. <laughs> I am done feeling like shit. Check the box. I am done using my children as an excuse of why I can't go after my dreams, why I can't have energy, why I can't feel alive. Check the box. And I uh, walked away from toxic motherhood culture, like unsubscribe from all the memes, uh, speak up in groups when people were like, ha ha ha, you feel this too. And I was like, no, that's called burnout and survival. And although it's culturally acceptable, it doesn't have to wait, be your way of being. Yeah. And that is where I really learned how to lead and embody this energy of how do I want to feel? Doesn't matter if I'm a mother, I'm a business owner, I'm a, I'm a wife, I'm a woman. Um, I deserve to feel really, really fucking good. And I deserve to be successful. And I deserve to have connected relationships with my ch children and take Fridays off. And I also deserve to have to work really hard to create my dreams. And I am worthy, um, which has been a lot and lot of healing work. So now I, I help women feel successful, both at home and in their work, regardless if they're in corporate business owners or in transition. Mm, I love that so much. And you said a magical phrase that I don't have time, right? And I just want to thank you and other trailblazers like you who checked that box 
and unsubscribed from toxic motherhood, because luckily for me, I was able to find podcasts like yours and messages like yours really on in my motherhood journey. My oldest is 11, almost 12. And I was able to shift into that mindset really quickly. And I'm so grateful that I kind of got that from the start instead of having to like unlearn and relearn and reparent myself a little bit. So first of all, thank you for being one of those people to step into that and be an example. I'm very close to my period, but that's going to make me cry. I will tell you why, because when I started, look at me, when I started podcasting, um, I believe I started podcasting, not just to be heard, but because I felt so alone. I, you know, that was almost 20 years ago. Like when I was into learning conscious parenting, like people barely talked about meditation back then. Oh yeah. And when I started podcasting, which was like eight ish years ago, um, I just, I would see all of these women who were quote unquote successful in their work, but would never talk about the home piece, would never talk about the children piece. And now they're starting to come out about it more being like, I was burnt out and now I'm not. And it's like, well, tell us your journey. Like how did you get from point A to point B? So I'm just, that means the world to me that you said that. Well, I mean it from the bottom of my heart and I, not that I really have a goal to make all of my guests cry, but I love when I do, because I know we're connecting and we're having a good conversation. Um, so I mean it from, from the bottom of my heart, but I wanted to touch on what you said about that. We deserve to feel good. I think that message that we've gotten and that we've unsubscribed from, right. Is we're mothers. We have to put our kids first, but there's power in feeling good. And, and why that's important. And why is that important that, that we as moms actually put ourselves first? Well, there's cliche things that you hear. Self-care is selfish and all the stuff. I think we have to start, uh, use critical thinking skills and ask ourselves, like, is that true? Um, because I think women are nurturers like we it's in our dna like we just want to give and we care so much about other people like we're nurturers right like somebody's crying you want to give them a kleenex and or you feel that heart connection um you see a child hurting like you want to feed them you want to do something like that's just our way of being it's like looking at a, a mama bear with her cubs like you it's it's in our our brain we're wired like that so when we use it for good then when I am taking that break for myself or fueling myself or like asking myself, what do I really want? What do I crave? And if I make it about me, it feels incredibly selfish. I'm like in this tiny bubble. But when I make it about other people, like that's where healing and generational stuff happens. Like the fact that I chose this, I put it out into the world and others can say, you have literally changed my path. How is taking care of myself selfish? Like I always tell people, have the debate with me. Like no one to this date has actually come out and said, by you feeling good, you've done this, by done this, and you've ruined my life. Unless it's somebody who doesn't want change. And I'm like, then why are you listening to my podcast, right? <laughs> the only yeah. people who care are that will say something to you like that are typically people who like are in your family or something like that. And they're wildly triggered. But for me, what I have noticed is like the more energy I have, and that's a journey to figure it out, mental energy, physical energy, emotional energy, the more energy I have, the more I get to 
give. I get to give my children so I can be present, right? My child is there. They're having a tantrum. I have the emotional capacity to be like, I see you. Yeah. Ooh, I'm feeling this. Okay. I'm just going to hold space for you. And you feel that fear of judgment coming, but you're not a stress bucket. You're not living in survival state. You're like, okay, that dipped into my cup a little bit, but I know how to replenish myself. Yeah. And you know, I, along my journey, cause I've been at this for a while. Now I'm starting to talk about how time energy and money are all correlated and related because when I'm working, I don't work with all women in business. Some work in corporate and some, again, are the in between or they're, you know, I always say, I hate the term stay at home because I'm like, you're- We don't stay at home. Yeah. You're 100% and you're like a life manager. Like I'm at home, but doesn't like, it's just such a mind game. But really at the core of that is learning self-value, right? So a lot of women in their businesses are overgiving, over delivering, undercharging. I've heard people say, oh, well, I'm not increasing my prices because we're headed to a recession. And I'm like, were you the one that caused the recession? Mm -hmm. Like, why are you taking on the problems of the world? Everything else is in increasing. Inflation is increasing and everything's going up, but you're just choosing to like shrink yourself and take on all of this additional stress to make somebody else comfortable because you refuse to increase your prices by $100 or $20 or whatever it is when they're telling you they can't afford you anyways. Like, and when you think about money in that sense, you're thinking about time the same way. Like, oh, I, I took the week off so I, I could do whatever I want. And then all of a sudden, or you have all of the space, right? You're like, okay, I have the space. All of a sudden these people are like, do you wanna do this? Do you wanna do this? You're like, yes, 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 yes. And you fill it all back up with people externally because you were like, well, I feel bad. They needed me or I replied to that text message. I don't even know where the day went. And it's like, when you learn how to value yourself as like a human, like I value my energy. I value how I feel because it's a mindset shift of I understand that when I am energized, every human I come into contact with is impacted by my energy. And I will either trigger people or I will inspire them. But if I'm managing my emotions, I'm not projecting my fears onto other people or I'm not yelling at my children because I don't know how to manage my stress. And I'm like, I see you and I refuse to yell and I'm just gonna walk into the other room or yeah, I see you're upset, but mom's gotta, mom's gotta walk around the block cause I'm gonna lose it. <laughs> yeah, wow. I mean, I'm thinking of so many things that came to mind as you're talking and just having that value in yourself. And I love that your podcast is called Emotionally Uncomfortable because just having that realization and that, that conversation with yourself could probably be a very emotionally uncomfortable conversation and, and realization, but that's where the work comes in. And I'm thinking about, you know, when my kids are having a bad day or a tantrum pops up or something. And on the days where I am running around, like everything's on fire and I'm not valuing my time. I'm not valuing myself. I snap so quickly. Right. And it's like, I don't have time to deal with this. I can't deal with you. And it's just a big, huge mess versus the days where I've given myself space. I've given myself time, energy. I've valued myself when my kids melt down. It is, it is so much easier to be like, okay, let's like breathe, take a second. I've got capacity to deal with you rather than like my skin is crawling. And if one more person makes a high pitched noise, I'm going to drive this car into a wall or something. And so really 
you know, you say having that conversation, I think like sit down and like have that conversation with yourself of like, does taking time for myself really, is it selfish? Is it detrimental? Is it ruining everyone's life? And you'll quickly realize, no, it's not. It's actually quite the opposite. So yeah, get him an example. This Please. That was triggered when you were talking. So you said, oh my gosh, I just want to drive a car into a, into a wall, <laughs> right? Coming from a mental health background, that's like, we can laugh about it, but in reality, like that is a serious crisis, right? Absolutely. Like, but I will tell you how many times I've gone to retreats, like I'll host retreats once in a while, and I will never forget this. And the woman raised her hand and she was a pretty, like she had a pretty incredibly like position um, in her, in her business or in her career. And she raised her hand and there was women from all walks of life in this room, um, not just all working in the same, in the same place. And that's the beauty of community and diversity is we all can have different life experiences and come in a circle and be like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. Like she's not better than me. We both have value. She raised her hand and she said, I just need to say this out loud. Um, about a month ago or six months ago or before I found you, Heather, in your work, I would, you know, just pray that I could get in a small car accident and go to uh, the hospital just, just to get a break from my life. And I know that me saying that right now, so many other women are going to be like, I have said or thought of the exact same thing mm -hmm. um, because I used to think that way. But think about it this way. You're like, I don't want anything bad to happen to me. I just want a break from my life. Like that is your physical body and your mind saying, please listen to me. Yeah. I am telling you that I want a break. And we say, I'm not going to listen to you. And then you just keep bypassing it. And then your body says, oh, well, now she's not listening, so I'm going to break down. And we wait for the quote unquote universe to give us a sign when all we had to do was give ourselves permission. So if you wanted a break, a mini vacation, and you're actually saying that your vacation was being in the hospital for two or three days, you need to get a fucking life. Yeah. Because if you wanted to take two days, you could have been like, I'm going to go to the spa for a day. Like it would have cost you way less money. But the only thing you had to do was have courage to create that space for yourself. So if you, you said are, it. if you are desiring space and you're literally sitting there at night crying, going, I need space, I need space, I need space, then you need to be a grown ass woman, pull up your big girl pants and block a date on your calendar and say to people, I am not available on this day and just start there. And if you think or feel like you don't have people around you to support you, just watch what happens because that's exactly what happened to me when I was actually sick and I was in the hospital. Like people came out of the woodwork to help me and all I had to do was physically ask, but it was my fear that nobody could take care of my children as good as I could. Um, when in reality, it was me it, that was my trauma from um, not trusting people. Yeah. Wow. When you said the courage, the courage to speak up and voice that, because I know, I know a hundred percent, everyone listening has had maybe not to the extreme of wanting a car accident, but something like, I remember even like during COVID, like, I just want to get COVID so I can just like rest for a minute. Right. Like just I, something like yes, that. I've heard that so many times. <laughs> but it's like, I am too scared to speak up and voice my own needs 
that I need an outside force to force me to take that break. And yeah, it would be way cheaper to book yourself a spa day than to pay a hospital bill stay. But I think when you said the word courage, that we don't, we don't identify that that's what it is, that we're too scared to speak up and that we're not we're not locking into that courage and that bravery part of ourselves, And that was a huge light bulb moment for me. So, wow, that just might be a, a something you need to sit with, with yourself you're, for a minute. Be like, like, am oh I, yeah. my goodness, what was that? So yeah. I could talk forever on this, but I, going off of that courage piece, when I, cause people will look at me and they'll read my story or they listen to me and they're like, you're so inspiring or you're so courageous or brave and like I really aspire to like have your courage or whatever the heck they want to say. When I started this journey, you have to understand that the only like I was backed into a corner. I was backed into a corner when I was 18 years old and I was pregnant and I had this baby by myself and I was like the only way out is through and the only way out is up. That was, that I was like, I just, I, I don't want to fail. Like that's where my brain went. But I was operating from a place of survival mode and people were patting me on the back and saying, look at you. And I was looking back at them being like, what? I'm dead inside. Like yeah. this, I'm in survival. I'm, I didn't know at 18 I was in survival state. I just kept moving. And that's how women are operating. But when I had cancer, the same thing happened. I was like, I, I'm not being brave. I'm like the only other option is six feet under the ground. And I don't know, like life is not guaranteed. I don't know if I'm going to be here next year, but I got to act like I'm going to be because I want to show up for my children. And I have friends who are not here. And the whole point of that is like, fear of uncertainty and fear of the unknown, then what happens when you actually start living in this abundant state? Like I am now in a place in my life where, and during COVID I had this moment cause I had the aha moment. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm having deja vu. Like all these people are now gonna experience isolation. I went through this before already. And I'm sitting there going like, my life is great. And I still want more. I can still get more energy. I can still create more. I can still have more abundance. I can, there's limitless potential. So when you're actually living in a really, really good state, and some people might be listening to this and go, I'm not in a crisis state, but I really, really want more. Then you have to start playing mind tricks on yourself because it's like, don't wait until you burn out in order to take action. Say this and. I, I feel great and I want to feel freaking awesome. Yeah. Or our, my relationships are fabulous and I'm curious how they could get even better. Yeah. So no. much, so much. Well, and I wanted to, I wanted to go off of that more because so many times we listen to podcasts, you know, like, like yours, emotionally uncomfortable mine. And it's just like a dose of like inspiration. You feel really good. You feel really inspired. And then it ends there. It's like, ah, yeah, that was my like, pump me up for the day. And I think so often we consume, we consume, we consume, and we just keep chasing that to help ourselves feel better, but we never take the action steps. So for someone listening today, what is an action that they can do to step more into that? Okay. So I, I heard someone once say, and I think it was like Mastin Kip or something, say spiritual entertainment. 
Mm. Yeah. And I'm like, just because you're listening to podcasts or reading the books doesn't mean you're actually doing the work. Just because you bought a gym membership and really expensive gym clothes does not mean you're actually working out. Just because you bought the veggies and they're in your fridge doesn't mean you're actually eating them or you filled the cup up with water doesn't mean you're actually drinking it. So pay attention and ask yourself, am I actually taking the actions that are in alignment with what I want and desire? Yeah. So from a practical standpoint, um, I always, if anyone listens to my journal prompts and I talk about this in my um, habit challenge, I have a 10 minute habit challenge and I use the journal prompt, wouldn't it be nice if, and the journal prompt is like, wouldn't it be nice if, because it's not like, what do you want? It's not like aggressive and confronting. It's saying, wouldn't it be nice if, and like put a timer on. I, I use this like sometimes daily and I, it, because it's so loose and, but really it's giving you breadcrumbs to your desires. Ooh, I like that. That, that is what you want have conversations with people. Wouldn't it be nice if if this, sometimes I do it with my team. Wouldn't it be nice if, and I'm just focused on the team. Sometimes I'm doing this with my husband. Sometimes I'm doing this with myself or just like an overall big one. And start there. But even if you're not willing to put down pen and paper, like don't just think about it in your head, write it down, take five minutes. And if you have resistance, here's here's the magic. If you have resistance, like, I, I'm like, okay, I heard this journal prompt on this podcast. I open my journal, I have the pen and I'm like, and you okay, stop. I, got, I got five minutes. Wouldn't it be nice if, and then the pen stops working. And then the kid comes in and you're like, oh my God. And you get angry. That is your block. That is not there to stop you. That is what I call emotionally uncomfortable because like, I get excited now where I'm like, Ooh, look at this. Look at my pen stopped. Ooh, I must be close to the juicy stuff. Mm. So pay attention to your emotional reactions to things because I'm like, freedom is on the other side of that thing that comes up for you. But if you don't keep tapping into it and chipping away, you're just going to stay over here on the other side of the fence. Yeah. Ooh, I love that. I love kind of tapping into those emotions. You know, I think it's so funny because we, we want to feel certain ways, but then we're like scared of, of other certain emotions. And it's like, well, if you want to feel the good ones, you have to be willing to like fill the full spectrum. And so I think that that's a beautiful practice of, of just kind of checking in with yourself. So my podcast used to be called mama's in control and that's what it started as. And because women for SEO would write mom control parenting. Mm. And I, specifically never felt connected to that title, but I just ran with it. I believe in done is better than perfect. After my book came out, Dying to Be a Good Mother, I actually let go of the mom title just because I'm like, I am so much more than a mother. And I mothering and motherhood is such a big part of me and my brand and a lot of the women that I track attract, but I am starting to attract some women that don't have um, children. And it's, it's interesting because they're still attracted to me because they're actually terrified of becoming a mother and they want to be around mothers because they're like, I have no idea how you guys balance at all. Right. But the reason why I shifted the podcast to emotionally uncomfortable was because I was teaching people how to feel good, but they weren't giving themselves permission to feel great or mm -hmm. amazing. And I said, you're, you're so close, but you're doing that foreboding joy that Brene Brown talks about. 
and she's she'll say and i'm i'm paraphrasing that the most vulnerable emotion to feel ever is not like fear it's joy because you're like oh my gosh you open your heart and you're like i love this i'm so grateful and then what's this next thing that happens you're like what if i lose it all right so we get so close to joy and then it, that is actually incredibly emotionally uncomfortable especially when we live in a culture that is conditioned us that we are not allowed to succeed. We are not allowed to feel good. We are not allowed to thrive. Wow. That is, that's interesting. I was also thinking about with joy too, not only the I'm going to lose it, but what if someone else doesn't think that my joy is good, right? Or like that brings you joy. That's like, we put a judgment on it, which is so interesting. What if my joy triggers other people? Right. Like, you know, I've had some deep conditioning, especially being like front lines in social work that um, what if my joy triggers other people's trauma or like, oh, must be nice or something like that. And I really want everybody to thrive. I'm like, you can have this too. So I had to come to terms with the fact that my existence of abundance and joy and thrival um, actually can create, um, can trigger other people. And so that's not my responsibility to manage their emotions. Absolutely. So I want to point people over to you because I think that this is just opening that door and starting that conversation to permission to feel your emotions, permission to have joy, to put yourself first and to, to do the emotionally uncomfortable things that will lead you to a life that feels really good. Like you said, you sat back and had that realization of like, this is awesome. And that's the feeling that I want everyone listening to have is that you, you feel good. You're experiencing a spectrum of emotions, but that your life is overall a really positive experience for you. So where can I point my listeners to find out more about you and where they can start more on this journey of just unlocking all the goodness? Yeah, so I hang out a lot on my podcast, Emotionally Uncomfortable. Um, the book, Dying to Be a Good Mother, is on Audibles or anywhere books are sold online. And that's it. I love when people listen to this episode and go find me on Instagram as well and send me a private message. Let me know. I check my messages personally, and I love to know what your biggest takeaway is. So you can find me on Instagram at Heather Chauvin, C-H-A-U-V-I-N. Perfect. Um I am so excited that you came on today. This was such a good conversation. I loved being able to connect with you in person as well, um, being a listener in the past. And thank you so much for just sharing and for being open. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you for hanging out with me again today. I'm so glad you pressed play. If you wanna take a quick second to share this episode with someone you think would love it too, that would be amazing. If you're loving the show, make sure you go and leave a review on iTunes. Reviews are like magic for podcasts, and your review will help get this show into the ears of more amazing women just like you. And come find me over on Instagram. I'm there at positively.jesse, and I cannot wait to hang out with you some more. So until next time, have an amazing week.